0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org.
1: Hey, good morning, Magnolias First. Thanks for coming to Resonate this morning. We have had a really busy week uh, at the church. We had a couple groups uh, going out to uh, Hope for the Hollow and helping uh, them. It's actually a, a couple that that dedicated their life to a neighborhood to reach them, and I know many of you over the years have uh, have gone out there and helped in many things they did. Uh, Denny and his wife Cindy are with us today. Thank you guys for joining us, and uh, and we love just having that uh, opportunity to serve uh, over there with them. Had our preteeners come back from camp, they had a blast. Uh, someone I'm not aware of uh, drove the. People move her back with the trailer, and apparently that guy didn't lock the back doors of the trailer. Apparently that's an important part of bringing the trailer home. And so you'll appreciate this. I was driving, and the girls in the bus, they were making all the truckers honk, right? And so, uh, you know, cheer, you know, when, when they would honk. Well, then we got into about Calvert. Understand we've been on the road for about two hours, so I don't know when this actually happened. And so if your kid lost their luggage, it is... Uh, uh whose fault would that be i don't blame the tackers they, they just she she had a vehicle there so maybe it would have happened but yeah this trucker comes by and he starts honking his horn and so we're all in the beep. yay! and then uh, all of a sudden he pulls up next to me and just kind of a grumpy trucker i would say and he goes your trailer's open i'm like oh well Yay! Thank you. Pull over. good. I don't think we lost anything, so we did good. Man, we have had a uh, a good weekend together. I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter nine. We're following Paul, and what I want you to look at today, and kind of think as your filter as we're talking, is what is going to be your next step in your faith journey. What is going to be that that next move that you we'll make we'll, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit but each of us are on a journey if you're in this room you're on a journey you're either on a journey to faith where you're you're trying to decide hey what does this look like and do I understand do I believe and then once you you take this next step and you step over that line of faith and what i mean by that is that you decide to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and you commit to him, once you take that step of faith and, and, and just a huge faith leap, then you're on the journey of faith. And what I want to talk about today, I want to look at Paul, and I want to look at what made him successful in what he did. Because success has many different uh, type of definitions. I don't know if you've been uh, keeping up with the news at all, or or the Olympics, but you know you've got the billionaire race going on to get to the, get you know to become astronauts and go into space. Have y'all watched that at all? A little bit. Two of them have made it. I think it was uh, uh, now. And I have it on my notes, so I wouldn't forget. But here I am. But uh, what Richard Branson? Who's the other one that made it? Someone help me out. Bezos made it. Yes, and he made it. What happened after they declared their success? Do you know? If you watch the news, it's very interesting. All of a sudden, they get up there. They're successful. What did NASA end up doing? Immediately, they changed the definition of an astronaut. And so it's almost like you're not going to be successful under our terms. I want you to kind of look at it today, and I want you to think about what has been your definition of success, and what are you basing your success on? Not in your Necessarily work life, although it could be that or, or your home, but as a Christ follower, what makes you successful and who are you comparing yourself to? If you've been watching the Olympic in both the, the relays, I think the 400 meter relays or whatever it was, but these runners ran in and understand came in second place but broke the world record. How would you like to get a silver medal? breaking the world record. Just because some moron, a tenth of a second in front of you, also broke the world record. It's almost like success is just taken from you so quickly. And what I want to look at today is in the idea of being a Christ follower, success looks so much different in what we do. Success is, is just a whole different uh, ball game. So if you would, i tell you what, let's pray before we get rolling. Father, we love you. I thank You for uh, this morning. I thank You for uh, the weekend we've had with all the different things uh, going on. And Lord, I pray that You would just open our ears to Your Word this morning. And Father, may it come clear what You want us to hear. Father, I pray that, that it wouldn't be my own words that would be heard today. But Father, I need to hear Your Word. And Father, my words do not need be heard, only you. So Father, take whatever I say and I pray that you would filter it uh, in our minds and Father, speak to us as only your Holy Spirit can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so in the book of Acts, we've looked at the last couple weeks and we looked at this moment that we believe that Paul became the Christ follower. At what point he took that step of faith into becoming a Christ follower. And you really can't judge a guy's mind or his heart. All you can do is look at the evidence and try and figure it out. But as smart as I think I am, I feel like I kind of figured it out. And I looked at it in Acts chapter 22. And if you want to turn with me there, I'll have it on the screen, but go ahead. We'll be predominantly in Acts chapter nine. But in Acts chapter 22, we talked about it last week. There are three times that Paul's testimony is given in the book of Acts. The first time it's Luke, the writer of Acts, he's giving a, a kind of a third-person uh, over overview of it. But then in Acts chapter 22, you get Paul giving it from his own perspective, which is a very detailed and personal testimony. He's talking to people just like him, and he's trying to win them over to what they refer to as the way. And I wish we still called it the way instead of just Christianity, because literally it's, it's a movement. It's not just an event that happens in our life, but the way was an absolute movement. But he tells it from this very personal point of view in Acts chapter 22. And he puts in there this moment where he responds back to the Lord. Listen to what it says, Acts 22, verses 6 through 10. He says, as I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, and, and let me remind you, if you weren't here with us next week, the early church is, has reached this uh, critical point in its history. It's very young history. Uh, Jesus resurrected just not too long ago, and already persecution is coming. And Stephen, one of the first deacons of the early church, has been martyred for the faith. And so people are kind of sketchy right now. And Paul is one of those that he has literally got permission from the, the leaders that be, that he would have permission that he finds anybody who is part of the way, he could put them in chains and bring them back, which could ultimately lead to their death. And so there is this anxiousness in the early church at this moment, and they're, they're a bit concerned. But Paul, the very one who is persecuting Christians, is about to have his life transformed. Real quick side note, Paul goes by Paul and Saul. Saul is his uh, Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name in the very simplest of terms. And so you'll see it going back between Paul and Saul. It's just because he has two names. Uh, As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven shone down around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul asked, he goes, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one that you are persecuting. And then Paul adds this dialogue in here that we really don't see in Acts chapter 9. He says, the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice. And then Paul made this comment back to the Lord, and he asked, what should I do? And that to me, is a massive moment in someone's life where they basically turn from everything they once believed in, everything that they once were, and they turn to God, and they say, you know, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then the rest of our life is a journey of faith, following Him in faith. And what I, what I want to propose to you today is that I think we can read through Acts chapter 9, going back to the original part of the story where Luke is telling the account, and we might misunderstand a little bit about Paul. And we might realize that his success is not necessarily what we think it was based on. So I want to I wanna fast forward to that, and so go back to Acts chapter 9, And we're going to catch up with Paul right after that moment. Right after that moment, he says, Lord, what should I do? And then Luke gives this account of what happens next. And so this is now back from the third person perspective of of Luke, showing what he, his perspective of the story. And so it's, it's Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 21, actually 22. Uh, take a look at that with me. Also, there are sometimes some Bibles in the chairs. If they're not there, uh, or if they are there, grab one. Keep that. Give it to a friend. If you need a Bible, take it. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, we'll get you one. Uh, we've got one, and we want to get those uh, in your hand. But here's what it says. It says, afterward, okay, and, and back up a little bit more. He was baptized in verse 18. Right after he was baptized, right after all this, he, he was blinded. He hadn't eaten. Afterward, He ate some food and regained his strength. Saul, Paul, stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. This is just right after his conversion, right after that moment he stepped over the line of faith. And it says, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, Jesus is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among the... Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? And then it says this in verse 22, and I want you to kind of hang here. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And so what I want you to understand about Paul is he has taken an abrupt turn from what he used to believe was success to a new definition of success. You don't have to turn here, but it's him talking about himself in Philippians chapter 3. He's telling this to another church. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done, And so you have to understand that Paul had this moment to where he changed. His complete belief system is now changed. What he thought was valuable, he was raised up in, in Jewish things to do good things, to obey the law, and to be a good person. But now he has flipped and he completely understands that that is not the way, that Jesus is the way in following him, and that everything he has been doing his whole life is not just you know, knowledge of God and in obeying, but it is that personal relationship. And it makes him, he was so passionate about killing the way because he thought Jesus was a fake. Now that passion has went completely the other way. And he realizes that success is not getting rid of the Jesus followers. It is helping people to understand what it means to be a Jesus follower. But now, so that should be our same passion. If you've had the, uh, the experience of stepping over that line of faith, that should be our same passion to move forward. When I look at verse 22, I feel a little bit inadequate. And that's what I want to focus on today. What does it mean to not only just step over the line of faith, but then to be this person like Paul who was on fire from God? And when I read what it says about Paul, in verse 22, I just feel a little bit like, well, maybe, maybe I can't get there. It said, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. I get the opportunity to preach and, and teach and all that, and so I can really personalize that. But you also, when you look at it, you think, you, you, you can see that and say, I have to have a great voice for God. I have to have a great platform for God. I must be able to know scripture beyond everything. I got to have, you know, great charisma. And that's what it starts to appear like to me is that what what it's saying in Acts is that Paul became successful because he had great speaking ability and great charisma. And I'm here to tell you the scripture is not saying that at all. And so I want us to understand that our ability to do what Paul did is very obtainable and very. Now he's going to call you on different levels. It might just you being an awesome father that has an incredible son or daughter that is the one that you. You have no idea the impact that God wants to do through each of us. But if we compare ourselves to something with a false sense of success, then we can end up being shut down and not realize that God can use us in a major way. In fact, we can bring the world's view of success into the church. The world's view of success is the gold medal. The world's view of success is make it to a certain level in the sky and then NASA changes it, you know, and, and so it's, it's never, it, it's like you can never, update. it's like all all Michael Phelps' goals were broken. I don't get that. I mean, how fast are people going to be able to swim in 20 years? You know what I'm saying? I mean, can you keep breaking world records and and not just Are we teleporting across the pool? What are we doing? So, for a Christian, for a Christ follower, success is not based in awards. Success is not based in uh, really even what becomes a result of what you have done. Success, it becomes a result of really just a simple mindset of saying yes. And that's that's what I want to grab today, is that I want you to see how Paul just simply said, yes, and then how another guy in this same passage says, yes, and just takes that blind step following. If you'll remember right, Paul has been blind for three days. He hasn't eaten for three days. He hasn't spoke for three days. I think the Lord did that to shut him down, but he is taking an absolute blind step to say, yes, to the Lord. And he doesn't know where it's going to take him. If you don't believe that Paul's success is not in his own power, listen to his own words. Second Corinthians eleven six. I, my my mind's view of him is this incredible, like charismatic dude that of course everybody's going to follow him. But it's not true. He says, "I may be unskilled as a speaker," and he talks about. it. He goes, "I'm not." He goes. I'm not eloquent in my speech. Paul talking about himself. He goes, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. He knows his stuff, but he's not eloquent. He's unskilled in speech. And he says in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 11, he says, we have made this clear to you in every possible way. And what he's saying is it's not about my own talents. It's really about just moving forward with what God has asked him to do. Remember the words that Ananias gave Paul. Ananias was the one that was in the town in Damascus and was told by God that there is a guy named Saul that is praying to me right now, and I want you to go lay your hands on it. And Ananias knew that, uh, are we talking about the Saul that is trying to kill me and all my family? And all my friends take me back in chains. And I can see, I, I picture God as a little bit sarcastic because that is my love language. And I picture God going, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Go put your arm around him. It'll be all good. But the key is not that Ananias, what he did, but it's that he did. He took a step. And I think for me, and, 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 and I'll ask it, is it of you, there are many times where I can get stagnant in my faith because I just won't take a simple step of what God has asked me to do. Here's what Ananias says to Paul. He goes, he, goes, he laid his, his hands on Paul and said, Brother, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth of it all. You cannot be successful in your witness for Christ, in your work for Christ, in your toil for Christ, whatever word you want to put in it. You cannot be successful in that unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about a slaying where you're you're writhing on the floor. I am talking about a filling from the Holy Spirit that you are dependent on Him. You have a relationship with Jesus and He fills you to do the work of Him. If you're a Christ follower, you know those moments in your life where where Christ fills you. There is a one-time filling of the Holy Spirit when you accept Christ. When you step over that line of faith, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And then we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit then gives you multiple fillings along the way. When you're following Him and doing what He asks you to do, it's almost like the Lord takes over you. Your words are not your own. You're doing what He has called you to do, and you're walking in a confidence because you just know, you just know you have the power of the Holy Spirit directing you. If you've never experienced that, I beg you to say yes to God because it's one of the best places to be is that you're, you're, you're just following him and you realize, man, I said yes to God and he stepped back and he answered. And it, it is just phenomenal. So I wanna take you to the next guy that we're gonna talk about. So Barnabas. This is an interesting story. Barnabas is, is, I think, overlooked too much in Scripture. In Scripture, he's praised a lot. In fact, he's almost lifted up like Jesus Christ himself. That I mean, he's just a wonderful, wonderful dude. But he did something that was so low-key that we never talk about it. We just talk about him being a great guy. But the reality is he took a step that was phenomenal that led to Paul's success. And so, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Acts chapter 9, and let's look at verse 23. And so, understand what's going on in the church. Paul now has went from hero in his circles to now he is the hated one, because at first he was the guy that was leading the charge to shut this down. Well, now he flipped on him, and so now people are hating him, and so he is under severe uh, opposition. It says, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching him day and night at the city gates so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through the opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he truly become a believer. And so, I mean, you get the picture. If you're in a room... And, and you're afraid of those around you. You know that people are trying to kill you because you're a part of something that's greater than you. You're a part of the way. You're a Christ follower, and you know that people are out to get you. And then all of a sudden, they lower in a basket the very guy that's known to be leading the pursuit, and, uh, and you didn't have time to check your email or your text to see if this was legit. You know, I mean, word didn't travel that fast back then. And so everybody's like, ooh, hey, hey let's, Let's take a step back. Remember remember that horse that went in there and everybody jumped out and killed everybody? You know, th- this, this could be a bad thing. And so everybody's afraid, but Barnabas, he plays a decisive role in the early church, and he makes a massive, massive step of faith that if you just read it real quick, you don't even see how big it was. And all he did was he said yes to the leading of the Lord. Look at verse 27. It's so important. He goes, so Barnabas brought Paul to the apostles and he told them how Paul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them that Paul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. This is so simple that it's profound. Some of you have someone in your life that is leading out for Christ and they need one person One person to come alongside them and say, this guy's legit. This woman's legit. And you need to listen. And you know what it is? It's the first follower. Every leader needs a first follower. And that's what Barnabas was. He stepped up and said, you know what? I'll take the heat in front of all you guys. I'm going to endorse this guy, and I want to show you what we can do. I want you to see a video. I love this video. It describes the meaning of of what... It's not really the leader that starts the movement. Hear me clearly. It's not, I'll say not always. It's not always the leader that starts the movement. It's the first follower. And so, watch this video, it's kind of funny, but you'll get the
0: point. Let's watch a movement happen, start to finish in under three minutes, and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key, you must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore, it's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in.
1: Just a few ground rules. Keep your shirt on, okay? But, uh, but you know, obviously in our context, the, the, the leader is always following the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if, if you analyze that video, and, and if you remove the fact that the guy didn't have a shirt on, you remove the fact that the guy was probably on something, okay? He was the lone nut that all of a sudden everybody was following. In fact, if, if you watch the video closely, it became very unpopular to be sitting down. And that's all it takes to start a movement, It's for someone to endorse the lone nut. And the lone nut, in our case, is the one who has endorsed Jesus Christ. And so what would happen? What would I mean, you understand that concept. What would happen if in Magnolia, if we'd get behind the lone nuts who are out there doing what they do? I I have to laugh a little bit, Scott Davis and his family are up there. He came up with me with the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Let's put a disc golf out there on the church property. Well, Scott, that's ridiculous. But you know what? Started thinking about it. Started asking around people. Scott started selling me on the ministry opportunities involved in it. And I was like, you know what? Our, we've got a group of people that have been meeting for two years trying to figure out how to leverage our property for the community, for Christ and all that. Well, so I wasn't quite ready to get behind him yet, but Bo was. Bo Bohannon jumps in. He goes, hey, I'll be the first follower. And so those, those two guys have been out there cutting our, our trees down lately. But, but it, it's almost like you have an idea. And then if nobody will endorse that simple idea to reach families in Magnolia, then it falls flat. They've already got a bunch of people behind it that have been out there cutting down trees, donating stuff, doing it. I mean, to the point that one of our next first events will be a, a, a Resonate disc golf Tournament that we're going to christen that course with, it'll probably take us. Uh, when I say us, I mean it'll take Scott and Bo <laughs> a couple of months to get it all ready. But uh, but it's something that's going to reach our community, and people will be out here. You know, I think of Denny, who I mentioned. I don't want to highlight him and and embarrass him, but he was a lone nut that sold his house and moved sold his house to move out to a place to reach people. And and slowly, people jumped on board, and they followed. You know, but some of you in here are called to be a lone nut, and God has given you a next step, but you haven't taken it. And you need to take that step. And then there are others in this room that we need to keep a lookout when one of us in this room takes a step out and becomes a nut and looks ridiculous, looks like they won't be supported, You need to listen. I need to listen to the prompting of the Lord, and we need to be the first follower that comes along. And then we support, and then we start doing great things for Christ because then it's no longer a Sunday event at 11 o'clock. It becomes a movement that we come in at 11 o'clock just to celebrate and recharge for the movement that is happening. It is amazing what can be done if we will just step up and follow. And again I cannot say it enough the most interesting thing about that video is that the crowd okay the crowd needed a lone nut leader a first and second follower and then they were all in and then all of a sudden you've got a movement going and so here's my plea to you today have you been defining success in in some way or another that doesn't match up with God's word. Here's the deal. The, 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 your potential, my potential is limited when we only depend on ourselves. You gotta first depend on the Holy Spirit and step out. Some of you need to take the step across that line of faith and, and accept Christ and enter into a relationship with him. Others of us, we need to step out and move. Here's the deal. The, the disc golf course, it could use some people to go out there and help. In fact, we'll have a work day out there eventually. Uh, Groups like that went out this past weekend to help Denny, we need to do that more and more and more. Uh, we need people in here just to stand at doors and welcome. when we have new people come in, be friendly. We need uh, people to run the coffee shop. You know, there, there's so many ways. You know, we've, we've, got, we've got a couple golf carts that, that are charged and ready to go. But, uh, but we're not making the full loop around the campus. There's, there's so many things that we can do. I look at Shirley over here. We've got SOS uh, they were out there with Denny helping, just doing, uh, uh, Constable's office, Chris Jones, they were out. There's so many people that you can partner with to, to just push the movement forward uh, for Christ and just jump on board with those things. And so this is my prayer. I would ask you to use this week to ask yourself, number one, have, have you allowed your potential to be limited Have you allowed your potential to be limited by what you believe is success in ministry or the Christian walk? And then just plainly ask the Lord the same question that Paul asked generations ago that two guys stood up and supported him. And we're here today as a result. All Paul asked was, Lord, what should I do? And his heart was totally open to whatever God would say. And so that's my prayer for you today. Would you ask the Lord this week, Lord, what should I do? After this service, I'm going to stay up here and uh, Daniel will be around. Claiborne will be around. And if you have questions about what your next step is, especially if you want to take the next step in your spiritual journey, come see us. We would love to talk with you. Uh, Next step in membership, or maybe you just need to know, Milt, we're, we're can we plug in? We want to do some stuff. Let me know, and we want to help you uh, get through that and uh, make that happen. Next week, uh, other opportunities that we have. Uh, uh, Jesse, if you don't know Jesse, most of you do. He's one of our pastors, been called to New Mexico, and he is that lone nut right now uh, heading out there, which is awesome. And, uh, and we are going to be first followers and we are going to help him in many things that we do. But he'll be back. Uh, he's in New Mexico right now. He'll be preaching next Sunday and then put on your calendar September 12th at 6.30 p.m. We're going to have a, a sending night for them and just to pray over uh, the whole uh, Hardy family. But It'll be a great time together. Well, as we close, let me do this. If you do not know, then you have had your head in the sand, but school starts next week. And so what day does school start? I heard a, a very disappointing Wednesday is what I heard. I, like, like the whole tone in the room just went down. I'm going to ask, if you're a teacher, if you're a homeschool teacher, if you teach in one of our schools, if you work in administration, if you tutor, if you are on any kind of staff at one of our local school districts, would you stand up and let us pray for you? Uh, we want to pray for teachers. We want to pray for administrators. We want to pray for those you know, cleaning up facilities, everything. Do we have any of those in here? Would you please stand? All right. I got a little bit worried. Like, like they're, all, they're all just trying to, I've kind of enjoyed the summer. You're making it too real for us, Mills. <laughs> Let's pray for these guys. Father, we love you. And Father, thank you for, uh, Father, just for Christ followers who are willing to step into the lives of students, Lord. And I pray that you would help us just to, uh, Lord, be on task for you this school year. Lord, I pray for our student ministry here. I pray for our kids' ministry. Lord, I pray for those that are teachers. I pray for those in administration. Father, I pray for tutors. Lord, I pray for those that help with all the different aspects of the school. Lord, security, lunch, cleaning, Lord, everything that goes on. And Lord, we pray that we would be able to invest in these kids. And Lord, would they just be on fire for you this year? Father, for the homeschool moms and dads in here. Lord, bless them. Father, use them. And Father, as those of parents that were sending our kids to school, Father, I pray that they would just be ambassadors on the campus that they go to, Lord. And may we just support our kids in an amazing, amazing way. And Father, we love you. Pray that you would bless this next school year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.